Hooper now offloads. Oh, so close, still short. Glaubanga. There he is! He's over! Hello and welcome to Pick and Drive Live, the live edition of our weekly podcast where we review and preview the big matches in Australian rugby. I'm your host, Ando, and with me is co-host regular Mitch. Hey, how's it going, everyone? And Rev. G'day. Now, you may notice that actually all of us are pretty fancy tonight. Rev has got his high-quality Wallabies jersey from the 2019 World Cup. (laughs) Mitch is wearing a collared shirt. I'm the next step up with a blazer added onto it as well. So it was a really tough decision to make. I wanted to wear my Indigenous jersey, but we have a very special guest. And that has led to us being a little bit more sartorially elegant than we may previously have been. So with a career ranging from sports reporting on country television in South Australia, covering the Olympic Games in Sydney and Athens and covering cricket, skiing, tennis, athletic swimming, rugby, and now podcasting, the man who can cover anything and look good in a blazer while doing it, Nick McArdle. <laughs> welcome to Pick and Drive Live. Uh, and uh, gentlemen, uh terrific to to be with you and yeah i read the run sheet so i thought i better go the extra mile normally i'm sitting around in a, an old daggy t-shirt at this time on a thursday night but um no no i've popped the the suit and tie on and uh what a pleasure to be here nice intro thank you thank you and i'm very very sorry sheepy but we do not all have our white shoes on i will not reveal what's happening beneath <laughs> yeah. this beneath the nipple line no. but no no that's that's no my shoes. eyes only no <laughs> um so as a quick reminder ladies and gentlemen we are expecting your questions comments and banter throughout the show so make sure that you get involved we want to hear from you and obviously with nick here you're going to want to throw some questions at him tonight well that's actually what we're going to be starting with so we are going to be covering some quick fire questions for nick to be answering we're going to go through the australia versus south africa recap and analysis before we discuss the team sheets for the weekend our predictions so make sure that you get involved throughout the night because we are very excited but to start off with mitch why don't you take us through our quick fire questions awesome so Thanks for your time tonight, Nick. Uh, First question we've got for you. What have you most enjoyed about your transition to Stan Sports? Oh, good question. Um, Being employed, I think, uh, has probably (laughs) been the most enjoyable part of it. um, Last year was pretty tough after um, leaving uh, leaving Fox and, uh, yeah, kind of did my own thing. Just as I was getting started, um, had some good things happening and and COVID hit, which um, kind of put a dent in everything and I've yeah. sort of been keeping in touch with uh, with a few people and catching up for coffees and and you know just sending the email as you do when you when you're putting yourself out there and hoping to get some work and and then um, yeah the contact from nine and Stan came towards the end of last year and it's been unbelievable to be part of something new and and fresh and to be in on the ground floor and to be able to you know be part of shaping it what it looks like uh, what it, what it feels like on air um and uh and hopefully people are enjoying what we're doing because we're having a ball doing it yeah i can definitely say that everyone in the rugby community is very much enjoying what stan is doing it's a very nice sort of change of pace what we've had yeah. the last few years uh leading to the next question so who is the biggest personality from the stan sports team off air <laughs> <laughs> oh that is a good question um everyone's got their own little um 
little bits and pieces that go up to uh, go to make them uh, who they are. Um, Shorty, you, you probably get the sense, I think, in the in the call and all the things that he's done over the years. Sean Maloney is a a big personality, but um, yes, it's that was part of actually the thinking of of putting the team together is you know everybody offering something different. You know, you you think about what Sonny Bill brings compared to you know Campo, for example, the year that that he's from. Tim, obviously, one of the, the greats of the game. Um, Justin Harrison has that, that real humour, the, the character, really good analysis. Morgs, who I know has been on on with you guys as well, is yep. terrific analysis. And then you've got, you know, someone like like Timmy, who's um, uh, so, sorry, someone like Drew, who's more recently retired, you know, was a bit of a party boy back in the day, <laughs> still might be. Um, you know, so from that point of view, you're getting you're getting through different eras. And then having obviously Roz, who is so good at what she does, Alana, who is just amazing, I think, to be able to step between rugby league and rugby union. Um, and also Sarah Nagama, who we've had on over the last um, couple of yeah. weeks as well. So so everyone in that team has got their their own little thing that they that they bring to it. Um, I think that's really important. I've been loving Sarah's um, addition and what she's been able to bring to the team. Uh, the combination that her and Alana also bring too. The depth of analysis that Alana provides is absolutely wonderful. And it's yeah. an awesome counterpoint. I love the dynamic with her and Googs up on the machine. Um, yeah. The, yeah. The that's just a lot of fun. The ribbing that he gets is makes my night a lot of the time, particularly on Rugby Heaven. Well, actually, actually, the, the the one that I haven't mentioned there too, of course, and how could I forget, is Mertz. I mean, seriously, he's he is one of the great characters of of the game. He, you know, he's so self deprecating. If he was if he was as poor and as dumb and as and as ugly as he claims to be, he would never have been the player that he was. But he, you know. He's just an outstanding human being apart from anything. So, yeah, a great addition to the team. They've got a very uh, varied past of different experiences. You've done a lot of different sports. What has been your favourite sporting event to present? Yeah, that's a, that's a really, really tough question. I reckon um, probably in terms of rugby, it, nothing beats the 2015 Rugby World Cup. Um, you know, to to be on that run that we were on, and and where Twickenham basically became Australia's home ground. So we we had a game uh, in Birmingham, and then we had a game in um, uh, at Millennium Stadium in Cardiff. And from memory, I think pretty much everything else was was at Twickenham. It was like the Wallabies' home game. So you just roll out there every week, and um, so that was that was pretty special. And outside of rugby, I reckon uh, I was. Very fortunate, and I still don't know what the bosses were thinking at, at Fox at the time, but in 2009, um, Brent and Julian hosted um, half the test matches uh, of the Ashes series in England, and uh, and then I was lucky enough to be tapped on the shoulder to host uh, the rest of them. And I, I distinctly remember um, a moment um, at uh, Headingley in Leeds, and I'm, I'm standing between... Michael Holding and David Gower during a during like a, a lunchtime segment, and I have no idea what they said. They could have been saying, you know, there's a man on the moon. I wouldn't have had any. All I, I just had this voice in my head going, "What am I doing here? Like, can, I, I can't believe that I'm that I'm here." Because you know, we all grow up 
with heroes and they're they were two of my heroes so a bit of a bit of a fanboy moment there but yeah i guess that's that's a couple of the highlights yeah how incredible mm. and outside of sports what kind of other projects are you currently working on um yeah we're trying to keep busy really um i mean you know where we are in the in the rugby season at the moment is is keeping us pretty busy it's pretty intense with a couple of games every weekend which is just you know thank you queensland has been absolutely amazing hasn't it for the the rugby championship to actually happen over those well the end of it happened over four weekends in queensland with double headers has been ridiculous um so that's been pretty good but uh, also um podcasting uh, the, the playmakers playbook which was a podcast that i started uh, when I was floating around not doing very much last year um, about leadership, so talking to sports people and people from the business of sport. Um, yeah, there we go. Oh, ugly photo. Um, and uh, so I've cranked that back up for a, a second series. I've just launched the first episode of the second series with Kerry Chikorovsky, uh, former Liberal leader and, and member of um, the board at the New South Wales Rugby Union. So I've got a couple of really interesting characters coming up over the next few weeks. And the other thing that that, that I'm dabbling in, God knows how I got involved with this, is a, an online subscription business for beer, right? So not Ooh. not uh, not brewing it, just um, trying to shift other people's beer, um, which has been a lot of fun. So, um, so yeah, getting crafty. So if you're, if you're <laughs> looking for a beer subscription, can I plug it? Gettingcrafty.com. Yeah. Awesome. Ah, sounds great. You can plug anything yeah, you want. Gettingcrafty.com. Get so. No, it's just... <laughs> I mean, it's it's just a bit of fun, right? So, I mean, you guys, I'm sure you got all little. Well, look at what you're doing here. All little projects, and you know, if you can keep busy, that's uh, that's the best thing. Because I reckon what people are going through at the moment, the worst thing that you can do is is not be busy. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's what I've been trying to do. Well, we've had some pretty awesome questions or comments at least come in. Um, here was a piece of positive feedback from Sheepy regarding the work that Stan have done with the broadcast. You've all done a brilliant job. The product is much better than what we had before that. Um, I 100% agree. I'm a massive Stan fanboy. Uh, so thank you, Nick. And thank you to the whole team for what you guys have done. Uh, Simon Nelson kind of echoes the sentiment. We love you, Nick. And Jason Sherman, was Nick born in a suit? And then oh, I was with, and does he have to be careful to not cut all the glass in his house when he wears that one? So <laughs> what say you to that, Nick? What say you? Uh, very kind. Very kind. Yeah, well, I don't think I'd seen a suit until I was about 21, so I'm making up for lost time, yeah. <laughs> very good. Well, Rev, why don't you start our recap and the analysis segment of the recent games for the Rugby Championship? Yeah, absolutely. So we just wrapped up uh, round four of the Rugby Championship and what a way to start. I, I could barely watch the second game because I was still living off the hype of the 30-17 to 17 win that the Wallabies uh, edged over South Africa. An even bigger win than the round before, which I think a lot of people were you know, kind of still in shock with. So this just really added fuel to the fire. There's a lot of buzz going around about this Australian team at the moment. Uh, but after that, uh, for anyone that you know did sort of need to calm down, um, we were able to bear witness to New Zealand just putting on another masterclass with the second string team uh, beating Argentina 36 to 13. And what that's done is give a really pretty, um, I guess, disparate shape to the table with New Zealand really clearly on top, Argentina pretty clearly on the bottom and a bit of a race for second between South Africa and Australia. Um, they do have one extra bonus point. So they do slip slightly above us and their for and against is much better having not played New Zealand yet. But with the fixtures coming up this week, there is a chance that, you know, they do, cop a little bit more of a spanking from that. Um, 
So with the centers at the moment, New Zealand will take out the rugby championship if they get any bonus point. Um, you know, they just need to lose closely and it's all theirs. But they're looking pretty strong. Uh, as for Australia, two wins over Argentina would seal it. But you know, that's a that's a thing that Rennie hasn't been able to accomplish just yet. So I think you know a lot of Aussie fans are now talking that up as a you know pretty realistic opportunity and something that should happen. Whereas before the rugby championship started, we probably weren't that confident. So I guess I want to lean that to Nick first and foremost, which is what would you have taken as a pass mark for this Wallabies team before this championship began? Yeah, to be totally honest, and and I'm I probably um, get a bit of stick for being uh, all Pollyanna about stuff, a bit too positive, you know. Like I'm always the one going, oh, "Come on, you know, believe." Yeah. But I got to say, um, I I didn't think that we'd win. Uh, a game against New Zealand um, and I thought uh, given what I'd seen against uh, the Lions as well I thought South Africa were going to be too good for us um, and I was kind of hoping that we might sneak a win or two uh, against Argentina I, I've just been blown away over the last couple of weeks um, and you know I followed Quade Cooper's career for uh, forever, you know, certainly since I started in rugby back in 2010 and had a fair bit to do with the Reds around that time. Um, he's made a hell of a difference. And for anybody feeling sorry for Noah Lolosia, I, I don't think we should. I reckon that, you know, having Quaid in the environment and clearly they've um, developed a, a type of rapport, uh, I think, you know, this year and this series um, may well be the making of Noah Lolosia in the future to, to have that wisdom and and if they have a friendship, then Quaid is always there for him as well. So, um, yeah, but uh, Quaid's made a, a hell of a difference uh, and, and they're playing well. I think that's one of the things we sort of discussed as well today, Ando, just looking at the difference in caps between the first side that ran out against France and then the team now. We've added, you know, over 200 caps worth of experience just with some of the inclusions. Quaid coming in, Simon Karevi adds a point of difference. Um, and then even players like Hodge and White that weren't available for the first ones, just getting that extra experience really does bolster that side. And Mitch, I will pass to you because you've been a massive Quaid fan from day dot. You were um, <laughs> swinging from the trees from that uh, well before <laughs> any of us were. But what areas do you think that maybe the Wallabies could be improving in if we are to try and take the next step and you know beat Argentina? Yeah, I think one of the areas that we struggled this week particularly was under the high ball. And it wasn't one player in particular. It just seemed like most people who went up for the high ball either turned it over or did just didn't secure it. So it's one area that we're definitely going to need to be working on this week. Um, and it's not a personnel issue at the moment. It seems like all of our back three players at the moment are really struggling, reserves and starters. So if we can fix that up, I think that'll be a, a good uh, base for us to move from. Yeah, that's that, that's interesting. I'll just hop in there. I, I was listening to, before I came on with you guys, I was re-listening to um, Dave Rennie's press conference today and he was... He was asked about, you know, he said clear, the, the question was clearly Argentina would have looked what uh, South Africa did and uh, and they'll be dishing up some of the same. And he said, he basically said, listen, it won't be just Argentina. It'll be anyone they play from now on because, yeah. you know, that, that weakness perceived or real has been exposed and and uh, teams will, will test Australia in that area. So, you know, no doubt they'll be working hard because of that to get better in quick time. So that's, you know, not necessarily a bad thing, I guess. 
And I think one of the really great things that came of it is that the players seemed really confident. Even Reese Hodge, who mm-hmm. came under fire for having missed a few of those high balls, was really confident today coming out and saying, well, that game was, you know, straying from the norm. He is normally very good under the high ball. He prides himself with that skill normally. And, you know, he saw it as a bit of a aberration. He wants to try and make up for that this weekend. So I've got pretty full confidence in him filling that role, uh, getting the Southern Jersey fullback. But maybe just to go through some of that uh, analysis from the last weekend, I'll throw it to you, Mando, so we can run through maybe some of the different abilities under the high ball and how we sort of fared. Brilliant. Um, I will just get a couple of fan comments up to start with whilst I kind of get things ready on that front. So let's just start with Ian. Just Ian, areas to improve for the Wallabies, composure, that's it. And I think particularly composure with under that high ball and um, getting the structures in place for the high ball receipt, which I'll be going through in a moment. Also, we have Lincoln Adler getting in touch and the experience of watching Quaid playing calmly is invaluable for our younger Wallaby backs. And I think that is incredibly, incredibly valuable. That that uh, stat that you gave earlier in regards to the difference in experience or caps that we have now compared to the start of the front series is incredibly important. Um, And then Rev, I'll get you to just wax lyrical about this comment before I then get the analysis up and ready. So over to you, mate, Jason Sherman, could you guys see Quaid signing with the Reds? (laughs) Uh, Look, as a, as a Brazilian local, I'd love to see him back in the red, but at the same time, I'm really just all about what's best for Australian rugby and just knowing that we've got James O'Connor already there and, hopefully donning the 10 jersey again for another year while sort of uh, we've got liner developing. I'd probably prefer to see him go to the Waratahs or Brumbies or Force or anywhere just to try and assist <laughs> them rather than uh, the Reds. I'll be charitable. That's so modest of you. Well done, mate. Yeah. I'm, I'm very proud of you. You're growing. <laughs> it took, took okay. a lot to say that. okay cool so let's start off with some of the analysis that we want to be tracking through super hoping that this actually works better than it did last week so we're trying a few new things guys to make sure it does work so what we're going to do is we're going to start off with some of the high ball receipts so what we're going to see here in the first little segment of play is Faf de Klerk doing a perfect kick and he's hitting the four to five second hang time. I timed it. It was 4.34 seconds exactly for when the ball gets kicked and when it comes down. So you're wanting that between four and five seconds. And he also, if you see where Marika is as he's trying to receive the ball, it is within the five meter line towards the sideline. And so what that's doing is making it incredibly difficult because the defender knows that as soon as he gets the ball and touches the ground, he's going to be getting smashed and he has to worry about making sure he stays in in touch or stays in the field of play sorry and so there's a lot of pressure already just from the perfect height and timing plus the location of kick so increases the pressure now if we watch it again and i'll kind of just let it play through in real time you'll see that marika is actually set too far back in the defense and he has to run up quite far and just kind of throws himself at the ball plus quade cooper actually gets in the way and Marika hits him on the way through. So there's a couple of issues there in terms of setup and then the positioning of the Wallabies players to make sure that they're giving him the best opportunity to have an unobstructed path towards the ball. The second play that we're going to see as I hit go again is Hodge. He He's just taken a mark as it comes up. So Hodge has just taken a mark and he's hoofing the ball down downfield. So one of his trademark kicks down down to the 22 and Andre Pollard gets the ball, brings it back and does a really, really good contestable kick. 4.6 seconds this time. So they're getting it on a dime. And the interesting thing is, I'll just kind of pause it right as he receives the ball here, is if you look at it there, we've got a pretty decent shield, which has come up. He's got, he's there in time. He's got a good shield, 
but he just drops it cold. This isn't a structure issue. This is just a lack of skill execution. Um, so the first one, we saw a little bit more of a structure in terms of the positioning of players like Quade Cooper and Marika set up too deep. This one, Hodge does everything right except the final take. The team does everything right except the final take. Now, this one is a bit of a combination of all three things. This is a player error plus a structural error. Okay. So this is another Marika fumble from the high ball that's about to come up here. So let's just wait for this to go. We receive the ball. Hod clears it up to the 22. And then it will go forward. So Hodge is um, cleared it up now. And now we're going to go on to the next clip. So we have Marika here who is going to be receiving the ball and it's a normal Faftaclerk kick. It's 4.2 seconds of hang time. And you'll see that the screens are getting into place here or the blockers are getting into place. Marika has eyes on the ball. That's, that's Samu, first of all. But yep. Is that Samu? Oh, yeah. sorry. I apologize. Yeah. yeah. Marika is going back in defense there. I yeah. apologize. Yep. So Samu gets back in and what we'll see there is he actually completely misses the ball and the blockers, because the ball has landed basically on a halfway line and watch where the blockers are. The blockers are about two, two or three meters inside our half. And so what that means is that Samu has to get in front of our own blocking line to try and get the ball so that's poor setup from the blockers and just a really really bad read here from Samu Karevi and so we have those errors that point to a combination of skill execution and basic errors in the structure of the setup of the forwards and the backs who are providing that blocking line which technically they're not meant to but every team does it within world rugby so why don't I pause there questions comments thoughts team I was, I've got one to jump in quickly. I think we also need to be aware of how South Africa are, are setting this up as well. So they're always putting those box kicks into space with lots of wallabies present. If we, we see when they kick it long and there's no one on that our back three are pretty sufficient at catching the ball without that pressure on. But what they've identified is once we have players around the ball, it sort of turns into a free-for-all and no one really knows where the ball comes and, and that's where we make we lose decisions. So Faf de Klerk, Andre Pollard, these players have been very good in this last game at putting those kicks into space where the, there's Wallabies players, where there's loose forwards sort of man, like slowly getting back on side or they're not necessarily waiting for the ball to arrive. They're kind of just in the way. And that causes our back, our back players coming in to contest the ball to make those mistakes as well. Um, we've got a couple of comments here, from, one from Jeff Fisher. We could learn from the box box kicks. Yes, we definitely could. As well as Squidge Rugby's deep dive into the Bocky box kick from the World Cup is such a good video to have in the back of your mind whenever watching the Bockies. Completely agree. Thank you, Simon. Um, Squidge, anything Squidge Rugby touches is absolute gold. Nick, have you guys at Stan, are you kind of aware of what the quality content that Squidge puts out there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a there's a lot of really good stuff and, and good... Um, analysts around the world mm. um ian Toolan is is one of the guys yep. uh, who used to be at, at the rebels i mean it's just you know there's so much good stuff out there now um on in both hemispheres there's uh, there's a feast of stuff so yeah you yeah, know very very much so 
Yeah, that's brilliant. I really like um Geraint Davies' uh, analysis because his Welsh accent just reminds <laughs> me of the motherland. Uh, that's absolutely brilliant. But anyway, let's continue on with a quick reference here. Um, Ian, just Ian, it's very easy game plan to prepare for. I feel what we were given a free pass somewhat. The Argentinians scare me. And Hugh Tyndall, it reminds me of cricket training in under-13s where no one calls mine and either nobody goes for it or multiple, multiple people do and bump into each other. Oh, look. And you know what? That actually gives me a little bit of comfort because one of the things that Dave Rennie said after the match is his simple, it's almost like a manifesto for him. It's uh, we need to be better. Mm. We need to be better. And I really like that humility and that honesty. And it's just a simple catch cry of we need to be better. Players are going to start a little, need to start a little bit shallower. The blockers need to get set earlier, not over on the kick. Hodge won't be as bad again, as um, was mentioned earlier. I'm actually not as kind of downcast about our high ball work, even though it is something that we need to improve. Yeah, okay. Just, yeah, no, you yeah, no, just, just on that, I mean, that you're right about Dave Rennie and it's very much a mantra and, and even again today he was asked, um, you know, has it been difficult to, uh, you know, as a coach in the week after you win a couple, how does that change to the week after you lose a couple? You know, have you had to work hard to keep um, players' feet on the ground? And he said, which I thought was yeah, very good. He said, certainly um, we're in no position to sit back and, and relax and be happy. We're still a long way uh, from being the team that we believe we can be. So, yeah, that that's really refreshing for me. Like They've just beaten the world champions the, yeah. up until last week, the top team in the world, two weeks in a row. And for him to still see that and, and still have us believe too that there's a lot of blue sky is, um, is actually what you want to here um you know, over the over the years the worst thing that you could ever hear was the week leading into the first letters like particularly if it's in new zealand um when players come out and say i really think it's going to be different this year you know we've got their measure it's like shut up yeah. you know <laughs> um you, you, that you, mission. yeah you you want the humility and and you want to um see that they feel the expectation but also they're just for want of a better term, taking it one game at a time. I don't want to hear him talk about the spring tour or talk about what's going to happen in Japan. All I want to hear is, you know, what's going to happen this week in Townsville. I think Dave Rennie has done a lot around the culture of the team, but he's also done a lot about getting the tone of the conversation right. Yeah, exactly. I think that's why he was so frustrated when Andrew Kellaway's comments were taken out of context. Because yeah. he never said that the All Blacks had lost their aura. He said that after I had played them for the first time, a little bit of the aura had gone because I knew what I was going up against. And yeah. that's a very different statement there. But uh, some of the journos had a bit of fun with that and he was not too pleased. Yeah. Uh, why don't we continue now with some of the other commentary and analysis that we were going to be doing. So uh, here we're going to be focusing on some of the work off the ball that the Wallabies did do really positively. So I'll let this first little section run through. Uh, here we see South African attack comes out wide. Pollard then seeing the space throws a wide ball to Mapimpi. Callaway comes out, shuts it down. The backs slow it down a little bit. And then eventually South Africa clear it from there. Now, it seems fairly innocuous, but I do want to point out a couple of uh, elements to this section here. So, like I said, we see first off here, Sikalisi passes it out, comes out to Andre Pollard. And if he had actually, I know I paused it a little bit late, but if he'd actually gone through the hands, and I'm pretty sure that's um, 
Willie LaRue there. If he had actually tried to straighten up a little bit and force Ikitao and maybe even Kellaway to jam in on him, he might have been able to get a ball out to Mapimpi and then leave Hodge with a one-on-one situation there. Okay, so there was just a bit of a breakdown in decision making or a poor decision made by Andre Pollard to throw that pass in the first place. Um, The good thing is to see Nick White getting across. There's a lot of cover there to stop that potential break. The team are working hard in the background. But then there's this really dangerous moment that South Africa don't capitalize on. And it comes right here. So if you just pause, Samu Karevi, Nick White, Lenny Kitao, Reese Hodge, and Andrew Kellaway, one, two, three, four, five backs are within what four meters of the sideline, and who's in the backfield? Literally nobody. Like Quaid, Quaid kind of recognizes that there is a danger there, and he started to move across, but then sees that South Africa has an overlap, so he has to go back on into the line, and Marika is stuck out at the end of the line. So if Andre Pollard right here, the ball actually comes out and goes to one of the box forwards who just trundles it up. If Faf or Andre Pollard actually communicate to each other and do a little chip kick over the top with the other back just going forward into it, that's a very easy chip through, regather and try right there. And I'm just worried that we we need to be smarter and we need to be more aware, particularly these five backs all right next to each other. Hodge needs to reload faster or White needs to have his heads up, see that and be either covering himself or yelling at somebody else to get back there. Um, I'll quickly just jump on, so we're not spending too much longer on last week's game. So Hodge does recognize it, but it's a little bit late, and South Africa was so slow. So here we have the receipt off a kickoff. Matt Phillip goes up high, gets the ball down, rock forms. Tupo comes in and eats somebody. <laughs> As he does it. Yeah, as he does. And then White is shaping for the box kick. So right here, you have Rodder who's sitting a little bit too deep. He's providing a run up, running option to truck it up, maybe one more hit to give White a bit of a better angle. As he sees White setting for the kick, though, he moves in forward and he provides that pillar or that post position just to block the guy coming through. Now, that's super simple. Like, it's it's really not hard. But in the All Blacks games, we saw so many times, particularly Tate McDermott, either not communicating with the forwards or um, just deviating from the game plan that they had and kicking without that defense in place and really leaving himself open to the charge down. And it's one of the errors, it's one of the things that Nick White does in my mind a lot better. He's just a lot more structured, he's calmer, he communicates more effectively. So I was really happy to see that. And then the third thing is I want to point out for all of our Western Force fans out there, Feliti Kaitu is, he's a bit of a, growing to be a bit of a fan favorite here on pick and drive rugby so this is the 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 biggest moment in my mind of the game 70th minute box have a mall basically within our five meter line and if they get the seven points here that takes them back to what 24 30 so they're within a converted try of taking the lead again and they bring it down they set up perfectly well we don't engage early like we did so many times now watch the actions of kaitu here so often i've seen the hooker just stand there and wait and not engage until it's too late but he recognizes the south africans start to wheel and as he as they start to wheel he goes in and he arrests that momentum and then is able to be that anchor point from which the wallabies are then able to then truck it towards the sideline and that, in my mind, was one of the biggest plays in the game, not only because we arrested the three tries that we conceded from the previous week, but we did it through smart, intelligent involvement from 
a player, Kaitu, who is, he's 26, isn't he? I think he's, he's no spring mm. chicken. Um, and he's been around the block a little bit, but it's what, his second game in Wallabies colours? And I was just really, really pleased with that involvement. So why don't we pause there? I'll quickly throw it out to Simon Nelson. Woohoo! Spoken <laughs> Force fan. Love your work, Simon. Love your work. Loves it. He loves um, it. Any, any quick comments on that point before we move to our final comment, which is looking at some of our tries? I mean, I think we can keep Western Force in the comp based off that. They've produced Kaitu. That's good enough for me. Keep him around. <laughs> well, isn't he? Well, and when, and when Quaid lines up for them next year, you know, who knows? Yeah, yeah. there we go. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I heard that uh, he was a roomie with Taniela Tupo uh, back um, at, in their club days. Um, right. That can't <laughs> now, hurt. That can't hurt. Uh, I do need to say and thank you, Steve Lenthal, for this warning. Please put up a warning before the Tupo passed to Coronbete footage at this time of night. Not sure it's appropriate for this family. <laughs> you are right. And you have predicted what is coming. So let's head to that right now. Um, we're going to be moving to the tries. So... We have a scrum, oops, sorry, I have not clicked in the right portion, so let's just pause on that for a second. Oh, getting let's ahead of ourselves here. Yep, getting ahead. Okay, scrum, far side of the field, one pass out from McDermott. Karevi does his role here, and he's able to stand up in a tackle and buy a couple of minutes for the loose forwards to get around him. McDermott does a nice little half break through to put the Bockies on their back feet. And so what I just love here... And I'm just pausing it at this point, but you'll see we've got um, it's Franco Mostert, right? Uh, yeah. Bocky lock. Yep. Then you got Kitsoff and you got Dialende just outside of him. And then Vermeulen is about to reload here just on the inside of Mostert. And what we'll notice here is that Tate is the one that's gone in for the run. Quaid has gone to help with the clear out with Samu. And so we've got number seven here, Mick Hooper, who is standing over the base of the ruck. And look at where Karevi right here is looking. He's identified that space, and he's the one that gives the call to Hooper. So Karevi yells for it. Hooper identifies it. And the thing that I love with what Hooper does is he doesn't go to Karevi, who's called to him. He goes one out to um, Bell. Dialende tries to cut down. You see Taniela Tupo get the pass, and we all know what happens next. Ah, there we go. <laughs> all the way down to Marika. You're not calling that one back, ladies and gentlemen. That is a try every day of the week. Um, Lincoln Adler says, yes, that try also excited him. PG rating. Sorry, Lincoln. Can't say exactly <laughs> um, so there was just so much to like about that. It's just so wonderful to see every one of the players getting involved and doing their jobs well. Particularly nice was that little simple cutout ball from Hooper out to Bell. Um, I don't have notes for this section, so I'm just going this to This is the second try. Oh, yeah, this is the second try. So watch here. Hodge gets clean out. Excellent clean out. Kaitu cleans it out wide. Questionably legally. Yeah, whatever. Who cares? Um, <laughs> and then it goes out to Kaitu, passes it on to Swain. Swain gives it to Karevi. Karevi makes the bust. Miracle ball out to Samu. Sorry. And then Samu takes the contact. He's not looking for a miracle ball there. He's smart enough to take it. Philip is there gets a clean out effectively and just everybody does their roles to perfection. And there were so many times, even against the Bockies last week that we still got up that we just weren't able to execute on the breaks that we made. And it is so heartwarming to see the Wallabies actually make a break and finish it. 
And Michael Gardner makes a really great point. It's great seeing that there are support players there in place. So I think that that is incredibly exciting and there's so much to be looking forward to moving forward. Um, any quick comments? Uh, one thing that Michael Gardner has said is that it's great to see there are support players. It's one thing that we have missed in some of our breaks previously. Now, that's yep. enough of me motoring on. Um, Nick, was there anything you wanted to add before we moved on to our team sheet discussion for this weekend? Well, I just think it's worth pointing out there, like in, in that last play. Um, so Pete Samu, Isaac Rodder, Matt Phillip with a pass and then a clean out. Um, Darcy Swain was involved uh, in the earlier uh, Marika try. Obviously, the, the Tupo passer. Did Angus Bell handle in that yeah, movement yeah, as well? Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. So, you know, and, and we talked briefly about this in the post game of the weekend with with Sonny Bill sort of saying, you know, for so long we've been talking about the awesome skills and the soft hands and the nice little interplay um, that uh, the All Blacks type five can turn on when needs be. I just think there's some nice signs. I know they've been working really hard at it. There's some nice signs now in terms of um, skills coming through now with, with our big guys. So it's, it's, it's very exciting and clearly – that's the way they they're trying to play. I mean, I, I think it's pretty obvious to anyone who's watched, you know, the last month of month or so of rugby how they're trying to play. Wasn't necessarily happening early on, but we're just starting to see things maybe from that point of view come together as well. There's a nice balance about their game as well. Yep, completely agreed. Rev, why don't you take us through now the lineup, and I'll get the Wallabies up on the screen for you. Absolutely. So. With the Wallabies, first and foremost, it's nice to see that Dave Rennie is continuing his string of not making too many changes, really only where he sees absolutely necessary. Um, so it is nice to see, especially, he's got a real handle on our front row, so it's nice to see them really sticking together. We've got Slipper, Fienga, and Tupo starting. Uh, Rodder and Phillip back them up in the locks. Uh, Rob Liotta gets his first start in the sixth jersey. Uh a very interesting call. He's only started 12 of his 38 tests, uh, sorry, not tests, his Super Rugby games so far. And out of those 38 games, only twice has he actually started blindside flanker. So very interesting to see him in there. Uh, Michael Hooper, obviously Captain Courageous, is in at seven with Rob Valentini at eight. Uh, the back line remains the same. We've got White, Cooper, Corin Betty, Karevi, Ikatao, Kellaway, uh, with one... Very important change at the back. Reese Hodge coming in, beating out the returning James O'Connor, who has a place on the bench, and Geordie Pattaya, who they've resisted the urge to shift into a fullback. Uh, the other nice thing to see on the bench, because we do keep a lot of the same names there, we've mentioned James O'Connor coming back in, but I think the nice thing is seeing a bit more reward for Kaito'u, who gets another crack. Mm. Uh, Angus Bell, who's in his double digits now for test caps, which is awesome. And Tom Robertson getting another chance after Tupo took 78 minutes of the uh, test match last week. So hopefully he gets on the field for a little bit longer uh, this week. Now, we might look at the matchup. So I'll just go through the Argentinian team because um, uh, Mario Ledesma was nice enough to drop that as we went live, which oh, is great. okay. Right. So I've got, that up for nice. us oh, I've got that in front of me. So it's all good. We've got the... Um, a record, really, since the 2019 World Cup, this is the first time a rugby championship team has named the same starting 15 in back-to-back -back weeks. So it's wow. a really impressive, um, I guess, setup for them. They are forced into that a little bit because of injuries to some of their key backline members, uh, namely Matias Moroni, Matias Orlando, and also uh, Geronimo de la Fuente. But I think one of the nice things is that we have four Santiago's starting 
in that uh, Argentinian team with one Santiago on the bench, which is a record. Um, very impressive from the team. Uh, the players I'm probably looking out for most, Pablo Matera at eight again. It's a really interesting call just with the injury to Rodrigo Bruni. Um, that was a pretty hard, I think, decision just given some of the form that he was in. Uh, but it does give Juan Martin Gonzalez another crack at the blindside jersey. Uh, and interestingly, they've opted for Santiago Carreras at 10 again. So Nico Sanchez is still out. Domingo Miotti is still not trusted to start just yet. But Carreras has played fly half all the way up until his under-20s days. So it's not as if he's completely new to the position. Um, but there is some really promising signs from this team. I think a lot of this team uh, has come through and played some really attractive rugby together. The centre pairing is young and dangerous and probably a little bit more exciting than what Delafuente offered. You've got the experience of Cadero and Buffelli, who's now scored more tries against the All Blacks than any other Argentinian. So, I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at. This is a really yeah. interesting side. Yeah. Uh, the only changes for them are on the bench. Rodrigo Martinez, uh, Joaquin Oviedo, and Mateo Carreras, Santiago's uh, brother. They're all going to get a chance to perhaps make their debut. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they get on. And again, probably not the ideal situation off the string of four losses, but... Uh, the challenges of COVID to force them into that hand. So really exciting to see this sort of matchup coming together. We might have a bit of a look at some of the players, but uh, Mitch, I'll throw to you first. From that Wallabies team, were there any names in there that you were a little bit surprised about or players you might have liked to have seen come in? Yeah, we had a, a bit of a chat on our WhatsApp group or our Twitter fa- <laughs> uh, page today around Leota at six. Uh, the yeah. consensus is that he's very lucky to be there over uh, Harry Wilson. And we're not really sure at the moment what Harry Wilson's done to Dave Rennie, but it seems like he's done something and he's not getting picked at the moment. So Leota's done well to get the start. I think from some of the tidbits that Rennie has uh, released through the press today, it was more around wanting to keep the team similar to what they played last week and not make too many changes. So he's really sort of playing that cohesion card at the moment and trying to to stick with the players that he had last week and start to build those uh, cohesion and, and build that momentum. So not too surprised there really that he's gone with the order at six if that's kind of the the situation he wants to move uh, move forward in. I am looking, I'm liking the look of Kaitu'u on the bench. He's been impressive every time he's come on so far. So hopefully we get to see a little bit more from him um, and Fayenga needs to sort of calm it down a little bit. We saw that. Uh, we lost Swinton this week due to potentially discipline issues from potentially getting that red card that was the mm. yellow card last week. So Fianga's also walking that line, had some contentious calls the last few weeks. And with Kaitu snipping on his heels, he needs to perform well and, and sort of curb his game a little bit. Now, Rev, can I just jump in here, mate? I need yeah. to kind of tee you up for this one, mate. <laughs> you were pretty filthy when this team list came out. There yeah. is, like, I need you to get on your soapbox and just talk through what is the greatest travesty within Australian <laughs> rugby right now. Uh, where, as Simon Simon Nelson says, is Rennie, like, did did um, did Wilson back into Rennie's car or something? Has he taken his Rennie's daughter out for dinner and not called her back? Like, <laughs> what is going on here? Yeah, look, this has been my issue for quite a while because in my mind, and I might be thinking a little bit too checker-esque, but I do think Harry Wilson is a really complete back rower. And for me, I want him starting over Swinton. I definitely want him starting over Leota. Uh, That isn't just the res bias talking. I just think his profile and what he adds to the game is really spectacular. Uh, The good thing, I guess, in his case is that he has built up 10 caps already. He is only 21. um, So there is plenty of time to keep developing. And what does seem to be the case is that uh, Rennie does want a line-out option at six. 
And while I do believe Wilson can do the job there, I think that's what Leota's uh, bringing to the table just because he did start, I think, eight of his 12 games this year at lock. Um, so he does have that capability, did take a few lineup balls. Um, <laughs> I vented my anger into stat diving. You know, I went through his season. Um, <laughs> You're so, such a maths nerd. I love I, it. Yeah, oh, no, no. I, <laughs> instead, instead of yelling, I, did, I went, to, uh, went to the books. So 61 from 78 tackles. It wasn't really that impressive in defense. 87 runs across the 12 games, you know, averaging a bit over seven. N- not crazy, but I will say he does have a very good error rate. I think he only gave away eight errors, um, whether it be some sort of handling error or uh, knock-on and things like that throughout um, the entirety of Super Rugby, AU and Trans-Tasman. Only four penalties, really low for a flanker or lock. So I, I do get that that's a really vast difference to Lockie Swinton. So if he is providing the line-out option without the same you know, risk or likelihood of a yellow or red card, that is something to get excited about, I guess. But, yeah, for me, I really can't shake the feeling that we're leaving Harry Wilson. And we haven't even mentioned Sean McMahon. You know, yeah. two really top-notch X-factor back rowers and probably the kind of back rowers I'd like to be seeing against Argentinian team that is pretty quick and is really um, you know, able to spread the ball. So I do want to see those sorts of players. Uh, begrudgingly, I'll say that Leota probably won't disappoint. Um, he seems like a very safe player. He seems like he's going to work really hard, which is awesome. But, I mean, wouldn't we all like to see Harry Wilson out there? Yep. <laughs> I think we would. Uh, I might just go through a couple of fan comments uh, which are relevant to this. Wilson isn't great around the ruck, plays quite wide a lot of the time. Clearly, Rennie wants back rowers in tight. Thanks for your yeah. thoughts there, Hugh Tyndall. Um, Steve Lenthal, well, Wilson might have to start tucking in his jersey. Seems to work for <laughs> others, yep. which leads us very well to this comment here from Lincoln Adler. Pete Simon is a bit hard done by by not getting a start, has been awesome off the bench. And uh, Nick, is it right that Dave Rennie spoke to Samu's effectiveness off the bench today? Yeah, he did. He, he talked about um, the cover that he provides at basically six, seven or eight. They love that versatility across the the back row and I think that um, that's probably why he he is on the bench um, because he can do that. Just I, Sean McMahon, Harry Wilson, I don't know. Well, I don't know what the answer is there. Um, is he perhaps not – is it a fitness thing? I don't know. Like, you know, like um, has he got the the big body that – you know, he's got a big body, but is he, is he as hard as – uh, Lockie Swinton or a Rob Leota is at the moment. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know whether there's something about that. But Sean McMahon was the one that I was really, um, I was really surprised about because you don't bring a guy home and stick him in two weeks of quarantine and and then not have him play. I mean, you know, he he might yeah. well play when he goes to Japan. He might play next week. Um, but I, I would have thought this was going to be his test match. So that was a surprise from that point of view. And and I think. In terms of what what we were doing for for our coverage, we were probably half thinking that that McMahon was going to play. So there was a few sort of phone calls today going, "I'm sure McMahon's not there." You know, <laughs> what have we got on Rob Leota? Um, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> Someone was, get to Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, so, so it was a, a little bit surprising, but um, but I agree. I I actually really like Rob Leota. I think I think he's um, a smart footballer and he's he's hard working. And when you talk about hard work, well, that's not just a throwaway phrase at the moment with this team. They are where they are because you can see it out on the ground. I mean, there was a social media clip of um, Marika going around during the week, you know, running from one side of the field to the other to make an essential 
to, to make an essential clean out. I mean, there's a guy who works his butt off and it's kind of, he's the poster boy for what's happening in that team at the moment. Yeah. Well, let's continue the theme and just get into our tips for the weekend because we've seen the teams and we, we do like the majority of it, which is great to see. And I think we are all excited to see how we bounce back after these two wins. Um, so, Nico, I'll throw to you first. Where are you tipping this Australia versus Pumas game? Yeah, I don't think um, – I think someone said to Dave Redding today about, you know, well, clearly you're the favourites. And he said, well, are, are we? You know, I haven't seen the I haven't seen the betting. Um, but I think, you know, they, they are favourites. As I said, they've just beaten the, the world champions two weeks in a row. But it is not going to be straightforward. Um, I actually thought Argentina, in neither of those test matches against the All Blacks, did the scoreline really reflect um, the game. I, I thought Argentina was a lot better and New Zealand really – took their opportunities, you know, pounced on a couple of um, counter-attack opportunities and, and, you know, we know what they do. Um, it's a, the Argentina are a really hard team to break down um, and I think it's going to be late in the game uh, until Australia gets that sort of ascendancy. Um, so I'll, I'll say, I don't know, Australia by seven. Yep. Nice. And uh, Oh, look, this is a pretty tough one. I think that we'll – I'm pretty confident, actually, but I'm not confident <laughs> – hoping, I'm hoping I'm not confident out of arrogance. I think I'm confident out of the the improvement that we have been seeing from this Wallabies team over the last few matches, as well as the fact that we, we can say what we want about Argentina having some incredible games within them, being very, very tough opponents, particularly physically up front. Look, they've been pretty poor in their last four games. And we like, yes, I'll show them respect, but I can do that by also pointing out that they haven't been great. Um, so I'm hoping for Wallabies by about 12, 13 as, as a okay. kind of pass mark. And Mitch, fear? I think um, Dave Rennie has proven that he's got a plan in place. And I think he will have taken a lot out of our performance in the rugby champs last year where we drew against Argentina twice. So I think he'll have a different game plan this week in terms of, scoreboard pressure, making sure we get ahead and actually doing what we need to do to win the game, not to just stay in it, but actually to dominate it. And we've seen through these last two games that this Wallabies team has been good at and they've played better when they're leading. Uh, so when they were leading up on scoreboard against South Africa, they played with so much more confidence. So I, as Ando said, I don't think this Argentinian team has been as good as they have in the past this year. And there's Lots of things around that in terms of preparation and and the lack of the Pumas and all that uh, that Jaguar sorry, um, so I I don't see them getting too close to the Wallabies at the moment. Um, don't want to be too arrogant about it, but I hope hoping for a Wallabies victory of about ten points. Nice. Um, I do like all the comments. I'm sort of reading the comments as they're coming through, and we've got a lot of people. <laughs> I'll pop them up in a second. Yep. Uh, I'm loving. Uh, Ball pod getting back in touch saying the sister kisser for three in a row we're going to have the draw uh, I, I do think just on that note I'm actually going to say that it's quite tight this week but I'm going to say this time we do have Quade Cooper to kick the winner or if it kind of comes off the bench we've got him come through so let's say it's drawed at the end I think penalty to win it we're going to get up by three because we're going to ice the kick this time so how about we give a, a three point win Wallabies but it's nice to see I think this is the first time we've all tipped the Wallabies to win during a live pod yeah. this time so yeah, yeah. It, very nice feeling. Um, I hope it's not misplaced. Yeah, I hope it's not misplaced uh, optimism. But, yeah, really nice to have that going through. Um, I might throw over to you, Mitch, just to go through some of those uh, questions. 
I uh, don't have control, so I'm going to give that no, to that's Ando fine. to throw I'll them up. That's okay. So um, I'll go through and just quickly put in what I'm going to do as well, because we're kind of reaching the final couple of minutes of the show tonight, ladies and gentlemen. If you've got any final questions for Nick, and they're, they're going to be one-sentence answers for Nick, right? Um, not, not He's not allowed to wax lyrical. It's going to be hard <laughs> for us. So whilst we allow those questions to come through i'll just put up some uh some of the tips that other people so conrad's got wallabies by 30 big pick wow. Ian just ian wants to draw much like matt from <laughs> board productions angus wallabies by 12 or more liam burke wallabies by three good to see good you man. Liam. um Tian Kassa, hopefully, or Tane Kassa. Tane. Uh, yeah. Wallabies by 13. Simon Nelson. Oh, we'll get to that question in a sec. I'll hold that one for a moment. Oh, um, oh, Angus Pickering got me last week on the 1 to 12. Um, what else? Tim Foster, Wallabies by 12. Hugh Tindall, Wallabies by 5. Simon Nelson, Wallabies 26. Pumas 12. Got score this is a pretty good nice. point. Yeah. yeah, this is a pretty good point here from Jeff Fisher. What about optimism out there? Down. Yeah, Wolbys tend to play down to the team and playing lower ranked teams. They should get up by fourteen. Bit of a oxy like opposite ends of the spectrum there, but yeah. still love the confidence. So what I'm going to quickly throw to, and this is just a quick one, Nick. Have you heard of the Rayburn Shield? Uh, I have actually. Yes, mm. I have. Only, you only over the current holders. I hadn't. Do you know I hadn't until the last couple of weeks? And I know you guys have been talking about it. Um, it's got some traction as well. I think the women. Yeah. Women, what's the women's one called? Utrecht. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Utrecht. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. So I think that's currently in the hands of the, the Black, Black ferns. ferns, I believe. Right. Um, yeah. And so we're, we're the holders. Um, and uh, Dave, with Dave, who runs the Rayburn Shield and kind of organizes it, he um, is a Kiwi based in London. He was very disappointed that the South Africans didn't beat us because now the Kiwis don't get a chance for a very long time right. uh, yes, to, to get the Shield back. Because um, maybe we're going to lose it to a European team. Maybe we're going to lose it to Argentina on the weekend, and then New Zealand mm. doesn't get a chance to play them for. Uh, so, so is it? Is it? Uh, it's theoretical. It's not. It's not a. Does a it desire exist? Desire is for it to exist. The desire yeah. is for it to exist, but at the moment, it is a theoretical shield, right. uh, oh, and like it traces it. back from the origins. I believe it was eighteen hundreds. Um, yeah, the very first Test match, match. Yep. was played between England and Scotland. Right. which is super exciting okay yeah. that's enough now to get us an opportunity for some of the questions to come on in uh nick is it a relief to be at a different broadcaster um, maybe you shouldn't answer that one <laughs> uh, who's gonna win the afl grand final ah <laughs> oh, yes um I, I, for, for, for purely um sentimental purposes I, i'd like to see melbourne win the afl grand final so sorry to all the doggies fans out there but what a what a privilege for western australia to be hosting that this weekend yeah all right, not good one from Hugh Tinder. We love the NRC here at Pick and Drive. Any mm. insights on the second tier comment from Nick? The classic, when is the NRC coming back question? Yeah, no, I don't, don't have anything that, uh, that I know of, but I'm in full agreement that we absolutely need it. And uh, But when it does come into existence, if it does come into existence, we need all the teams to treat it equally seriously, which certainly yeah. didn't happen last time. That's right, agreed. Okay, let's go for Steve Lenthal here. Uh, for Nick, best pregame stadium catering. Hint, it's not GIO. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's that that other venue uh, in Canberra with uh, with the greatest steak sandwiches in the history of the world, um, Viking Park. 
<laughs> I think you'll get some love there from Steve and Brett McKay as well. Loves the steak sandwiches down in Canberra. Um, we also have a shout out or a bit of a challenge here. Will you <laughs> shout out the Rayburn Shield on stand this week? Again, no need to answer that. But it's no, we'll cool. see what we can do. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> well, it is a piece of silverware that we theoretically have right now. So we'll take yeah. what we can get. <laughs> Fill the cabinets. <laughs> Even the mental cabinets. Yeah. That's okay. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I think what we might do is call it there. Uh, Mitch, Rev, thank you so much for being with us tonight. It's a pleasure to have you guys as always. But especially, Nick, thank you so much for being here tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on board. Oh, guys, it's been it's been terrific. And uh, thanks for asking me. I really appreciate it. And, uh, and good luck to the Wallabies on the weekend. And... And the other test match, the hundredth test match between no. there's another uh, game there's on. Else on. Could be special, isn't it? <laughs> isn't that That's a just a yeah, curtain raiser, isn't it? A curtain raiser. The real game kicks off at eight o'clock. <laughs> yes, and sorry to all yeah. the fans that may have been wanting some commentary on that. We just had way too much to get through with we the world, and we're an Australian rugby podcast, so. Yep. That's what you get. So, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Have a wonderful evening, and we'll be back in your ears Monday morning, 6 a.m. with our weekly pod. Catch you guys then.